Hey, uh, my name's Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. It is really, really good to be with you. Uh, if you haven't uh, heard it, felt it, or caught it yet, uh, it's, it's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. Uh, we have passed through Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully that was an amazing and good and uh, tasteful time for you. Hopefully you got time with family and friends. Uh, we are now uh, in the Advent season and the Christmas season. And as you've seen and heard already, uh, that's our, our call, our invitation, um, or maybe our challenge this year is to actually slow down. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. And before we do that, I'm going to pray. Um, and I want to invite you to pray with me. And then I, I do want to tell you about my hoodie. So let's pray. And then I'll tell you about my hoodie. God, would you help us? Would you help us to, to take a deep breath and to slow down? to be aware of things that are so easily and quickly missed? Would you help us to become more aware and more attuned to your presence? As we're here in this, this time and this space together, uh, would you help us to be aware that you're here with us? Holy Spirit, would you be moving and working and stirring in us, and would we become more aware of your presence, more aware of your voice, more aware of your leading and your help. And Jesus, every day is yours, every moment is yours, and, and yet this is a unique season where we, we look to your story and who you are and what you've done as we look into the past and your arrival and as we look to the future of your return, would this be a, a season where we can ask that question of what if, what if we were to slow down and be with you and hear from you and follow you and know you? And so we ask for your guidance and your help in doing that right now. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I... Uh, we, we had, as a church, we had a, we had a phenomenal Sunday last Sunday. Uh, we heard some fantastic stories. We had a baptism that we celebrated. We bought a, brought a ton of food and put it up here and, and then gave it to those in need. Some of you um, here that are a part of our church family came and were able to take food that you needed. Uh, you brought family members and friends and they took some and then we took what was left and we gave it to the Northeast Emergency Food Program and, and they came and took it away and, and are giving, giving it to people in need. And we just had a, a wonderful, a wonderful Sunday. And so if you were here, you experienced that, you know that. Um, I actually missed it. And I want to tell you why I missed it. And it has to do with what I'm wearing. I'm wearing a hoodie uh, that says uh, men's water polo uh, championships uh, 2023, which is this year. Uh, and my uh, son, uh, Max, is a senior at Biola University, which is in Southern California. And he is a uh, water polo player. And he's played now three seasons there. This is his final season. And they made it to the men's water polo championships. Uh, and it's at a, at a place uh, that exists outside of St. Louis. If you don't know St. Louis, it's, it's very far away from here in a cold land. And, uh, and then outside of that particular city uh, are smaller areas. And this championship was in a rec center in some small town outside of St. Louis. And uh, Abby and I and Ethan flew out there uh, and uh, 
got to watch Max play. They played in a tournament. Um, he was the number, it's a D2 school, if you don't know anything about that. Uh, the ones, the schools we watch on television are typically D1, the big guys. And then the next level down is D2, and for water polo, uh, that means there are some West Coast schools and some East Coast schools, and they met kind of in the middle of the U.S. and played this tournament uh, to see who would be the national champion for D2 schools. And uh, Biola was ranked number one on the West Coast, and there was another team ranked number one on the East Coast, and they met and played over the course of three days, so Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. And it just so happened that the, the championship game was at noon in St. Louis, which is 10 a.m. our time. So I didn't even get to watch live because Max's team made it to the championship game. Uh, and then they played that game, and this is how it ended up. So, and, and if you can't tell, that's a 16, this is 16. So this is, this is Max and he, uh, he won, uh, his team won and it was so, uh, I, I usually, uh, I'm not a good dad in the stands um, and uh, Abby can't sit next to me oftentimes because I don't behave well um, and never made friends with a ref before. Um, and so I usually am really screaming and angry and I, I just cried at the end. Like this has been years of, of him like working hard for this and, and they got there and they won and it was, they made us really work for it as, as the cheerleaders in the stands. They were down at, at the first quarter, which they shouldn't have been, but the next three quarters, they just annihilated them, one eighteen to 12, which is a pretty well handling uh, some other school that no one cares about, whatever that other school is. But Biola we care about because Max plays for Biola. He's not here today. Uh, he'll be home from school in a couple weeks and uh, so he probably wouldn't let me do this if he was here in person, but I'm just a proud dad and so, so grateful for him. And so um, I am wearing the sweatshirt that I, I wore and cheered in. I wore, I've, got a, I've got my money's worth out of it. I wore it three times in a row, all three games, and um, it was, it, we just had a blast. And so really sad to miss uh, being here on a special Sunday, um, but there was no way in the world that I was going to miss uh, cheering for my boys. He became national champion for D2. Fun little side note. Um, they, uh, because they won this, they get to go to the um, tournament, the NCAA men's tournament, um, and they get to play the number one ranked team in the nation, which is UCLA. And uh, they will lose by a lot of goals. <laughs> and it will be so much fun to cheer for him and watch him, and that will be his last collegiate game, but that was a goal that he set for himself and, and is accomplishing it. So here's the deal. We, uh, we traveled on, uh, when did we go? We went Thursday night um, and flew out to St. Louis. And if you've traveled in this time of year at all, it gets a little, a little crazy. And so we, we traveled and as we were traveling there, uh, we had things like um, delayed flight. Um, we had a, so we landed in the middle of the night and in St. Louis, they don't have rental cars that you can get in the middle of the night. Somebody should tell them that that's a thing that people might want. But, um, so we landed a little after midnight and we had to get an Uber, uh, to get to our, uh, uh, hotel. And so we got an Uber to get a hotel and I don't know if you've ever used Uber before, but you can track, we don't use it very often, but we have, you can track how close they are. And uh, at an airport, that can be deceiving because there's multiple levels. And so we had to um, call the Uber. They showed up and said, we're here. And we said, we don't see you. And they were on the wrong level and they had to come up to the upper level. And we had to wait for them to go back out and track. And so the counter and the time was off because they didn't write drive to the right place. And then we got to our hotel and checked in and then got a rental car the next morning. As we went through the whole experience of traveling both there and then on the way back and getting a flight delayed and connecting flight and I had to do, deal with all that mess and everything, realizing how much 
time, effort, and energy we put in to getting where we want, when we want, as fast as we possibly can. There's actually, if you think about it, the, the things that human beings innovate and create and design and, and, um, and make, so much of what we do helps us to move from one place to another faster, helps us to get what we want faster, helps us to be able to consume and experience more. And a lot of those things can be very, very good, and yet, there's some of that that is, that is not so great. I, uh, I, th- I just sat down and started to think about like, what are the things that, that I want and that I want faster that somebody has designed something in order to deliver it to me faster? I shared a couple weeks ago that uh, my youngest son, Owen, and I were waiting for a video game to come out and we actually got it on early release. Did you know that's a thing? You, you know that's a thing. Don't pretend like you don't know that's a thing. Like something has a date that it's going to come out, and then it, it, it comes out a little bit earlier if you do something special. Like, I don't know, give them all your private information and fill out a survey, and you get it early. And we got this video game earlier and got to play it. I'm sure we were like the first ones in the U.S. to play it. But we got it early access, and that was great because we got it earlier. And some of you can't wait for a movie to come out or a show to come out. And then some, some delivery systems and streaming services, you only get one show or two shows to make sure you're well and addicted before you wait a week for another one. And then there's others that are better and gooder, and they give you the whole season right then. And then you don't sleep for the night because you watch the entire season all at once. But you get it all at once, and it's faster. And I'm not sure all of those things are really all that good for us. But we've innovated, and we've created new things, and we've designed new things, and we've made new things to get things faster and better and sooner and quicker. And I'm not sure it's always good for us to go that fast. I, uh, I'm speaking of Max. He has been away at school for these last number of years in college. And uh, actually, the way he even got recruited and found out about playing at Biola was through Twitter, now known as X, which that's never going to be referred to as anything else other than Twitter, now known as X. But Tweeting and so he he he's on Twitter all the time and it was an easy way for us to connect and so I'm I'm on Twitter but there's only one person in the world that knows I'm on Twitter and that's my son Max. Nobody knows else I'm on Twitter and I've never sent a tweet. I've only forwarded things that I found on Twitter so that Max and I can can connect over Twitter and and that's it. But here's what this means: I actually scroll through Twitter. I've followed two entities, one being Max and the other being ESPN, and those are the only things I follow. But I scroll through and I get these, these videos, and you've all experienced this, but you, you scroll through and it says something like, oh, this is hilarious, or this is amazing, or this is funny, or this is whatever, and you start watching a little clip. I, I've realized that my bandwidth, my ability to sit and watch a clip on my phone, on an app, Twitter, now known as X, has shortened. I, I, I used to be able to watch something that was like, you know, maybe 14, 15, 20 seconds. If an ad shows up that's 30 seconds, I just, I skip and move to the next website. I don't stay. But I'll last like 15 seconds and watch something. And I've now realized I'm down to like four seconds. If something says this is amazing or this is funny and there's not a punchline or something amazing or to see, I just move on. I came across a statistic this week that from the years 2000, so 23 years ago, from 2000 to 2015, I don't know who did this or how they measured this, but the attention span of human beings decreased from 12 seconds, noted I was already above average, right, like 14, 15, but from 12 seconds down to eight. 
So it's a, a third, from 12 to eight is a, is a third, if I'm doing that math right, reduced in, in 15 years. Now, we've been eight years since then, so I'm, I think we're down to about six seconds now, and I'm, I'm, I've like downgraded to like four seconds. If, if there's not a punchline in four seconds, I'm swiping to the next thing because I need something faster and sooner and quicker. I don't have the, the patience, I don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the attention span to wait because there's something else I could see that might take only three seconds and would be great. We're just wired this way. We want things when we want them. We don't want to be delayed. We want our connecting flight to make it. We don't want the car to be any later than it says on the app that it's going to be there so that we can get to the next thing, so that we can move faster. But there are things that we miss when we go too fast. I asked a few friends, I asked some um, people I was around this week, like, what, what is it that, that moving fast that you, you think you, you miss out on? And they, they had some lists, and I spent some time just writing down some things. And what are some things that you can't do fast? Here, here's the first one. It kind of fits with our season of Advent. And I think we actually said it in a, or heard it on the screen, but the sense of wonder. Can you wonder at high speed? Some of you are thinking, yes, and you're wrong. I don't think you can. You can't very well. Can you, can you have a sense of wonder at high Think about the last thing that you were amazed at, that you were in awe of. Like, if something shows up on your screen and you're in awe of it, you pause it or you slow down and you stop. A few years ago, uh, our family drove to uh, Jedediah, I think it's Jedediah Smith National Forest or Park or whatever. It's on the... Uh, in Northern California on the coast uh, to see the redwoods. And um, I was, as the dad, I was driving. That was my job as we drove down there. And um, I am in a constant competition with Google Maps um, to best the arrival time, whatever the arrival time is. If I'm, if I'm going from here home, I wanna best the arrival time. And so we're driving these hours down to, down to the redwoods and I'm watching the, the arrival time and I'm, I'm watching um, a little bit my speed, but then you know traffic and those kinds of things and I'm trying to improve my arrival time. And so I'm just, I'm flying around the curves and through there and, and making sure that you know, I don't, don't wanna get slowed down by any other cars and counting down the minutes to get to the, to the park and see the redwoods. And then we pull in and all of a sudden everything stopped because I saw my first redwood in person. If you've ever seen a redwood tree, it's it's amazing. It's, it's a bit overwhelming. It, it looks like you've just walked into a cartoon. You look like you're in a movie, like, like Return of the Jedi was real, like this, this could happen. Like there might be an Ewok behind this giant tree. Like it's just, it's just beautiful. And all of a sudden I just didn't watch my speed anymore. Slowed down to a near stop and just kind of rolled through the park. And look, because I was in wonder of the truth. We can't wonder at things when we're moving high speed. We can't connect with other people at high speed. I, I know we try. Uh, you, you can find a date at high speed. You can swipe and find a date. You can, find, you can set it up, but you can't actually connect with a person at high speed. It doesn't work. And, and some of us has tried. We've said, hey, I've got, I've got four to six seconds to connect with you, so tell me something funny or tell me how your day was. Four, three, two, one, done, move on. Like, that wouldn't work. We don't connect well. When somebody you care about and you want to find out about, and you want to experience, and they say, hey, I've only got two minutes. There's something that actually shrivels inside of you, and you go, that's not, 
That's not what I'm looking for. We can't connect at high speed. We, uh, third one I, I wrote down, I crossed off a bunch of other ones, but the three were wonder, connect, and, and taste. Can you, can you really taste something really, really good at high speed? Going really fast? No. When, in fact, when you taste something really good, you, you kind of stop and you savor it. And you, and you look for where it came from and you look for how it was made and you talk to the person that shared it with you or you talk to the person who prepared it or cooked it or where you bought it and you, you just sit there and, and taste it. We were created by a, a God who knows us and loves us. And there are parts of who we are that just want to be more efficient and faster and to win and to conquer but there's a deeper part of us that when we move fast, we're shut off from and that we don't experience. And there's a God of the universe who actually wants us to be in wonder of him, who wants us to connect with him. And there's places in scripture that see, taste and see that the Lord is good. These invitations that we have from the God of the universe cannot be done at, at high speed. And we find ourselves right now, November 26th, 2023, at the front end of four weeks that we call Advent. And we want to challenge ourselves and invite ourselves. In the midst of a season, the holiday season always becomes more busy, always becomes more full, crazed. I was talking to a dad before our gathering. Even some of us have uniquenesses in this particular season because our kids aren't in school because there's a strike going on. The layers that come on in the holiday season cause us to want to go fast and to speed up. And yet this season is special because the God of the universe sent his son Jesus and all of those invitations in front of us to wonder at the God of the universe, to connect with him, to taste and to see that he is good, require us to slow down. We cannot do those things at a fast pace. We cannot do those things quickly and get them checked off. There's a much deeper invitation Part of going slow involves waiting. And my experience, at least, is that when somebody says to wait, I don't have a warm feeling. There's no aspiration that is stirred in me when I hear wait other than can I reduce the arrival time minutes on my app. I don't want to wait. I want what I want when I want it. There's something about waiting that just grates against me because it forces me to slow down. And yet in scripture, we're called and invited by God over and over and over 116 times to wait. And we cannot wait and fast forward. We cannot wait and speed at the same time. By waiting, we have to slow down. And in fact, the people of God have always been a people that have been invited to wait and to slow down. Before the promised Messiah even arrived, there was, a, there was a prophecy that Jesus would come, that the Messiah would come. And so the people of God were waiting for that time. And then since Jesus has arrived, lived, was crucified on a cross, dead and buried, conquered death and rose again, we have been waiting for his return. And we're a people, simply by having faith, are a people of waiting. 
Faith is defined by this. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And maybe this is familiar to you. It's kind of an easy definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Hope for something that's coming and assurance of something that we can't see. This is what it means to be a people of faith, to have hope in something that's coming, to be waiting in the now for something good that is promised, and to be assured of something that we can't actually see in the flesh and and touch. To be a people of faith means that we're a people of waiting. We've used Advent a number of times. You've seen it on the screen. We've said it already a number of times this week. If you do not know what Advent is or aren't familiar with that, let me, let me define it really easily. It's this, it's this uh, season that comes from, it's this word that comes from uh, the Latin Adventus, um, and it, it really just means the arrival, um, or if you want to put it in a, in a verb sense, um, I arrive or I am coming. But Advent, the word means, it marks arrival that when something arrives, it's the advent of that thing. And so there was this promise that Jesus would come. And Jesus arrived, was born in a manger. It starts this, this marks this season. The people of God waited for the promised Messiah to show up. And so about 600 AD, I think it was, so about 1,500 years ago, almost, uh, in the 6th century, 500s actually, 1,500 years ago, the, the church, the followers of Jesus, started marking out this season. And they spread it out, backed it up from, let's say, this December 25th, and said, we're going to go for four Sundays and mark this time, which forces us to slow down and to contemplate and to think and to reflect on what it means that the God of the universe entered into the human situation by sending his son the advent, the arrival of Jesus, and then this advent season, some 500 or so years later after Jesus, marked this time where followers of Jesus would spend every Sunday reflecting on who Jesus is and what it means that God stepped into our world. And what that did is it it forced them to to slow down. It forced them to observe this truth, this story, over and over and over for four weeks before celebrating. And so what, what we're going to do, as we've done for years and years, is to mark these four weeks by calling them Advent, to call ourselves to slow down. And each week we'll light one of these four candles, one, two, three, four, and we'll look at the, the kind of the traditional themes of what it means to be a people who wait really well in hope, peace, joy, and love. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll gather twice and pick one, invite and pray for friends and family, and we'll light a fifth candle the Christ candle, and then we'll all light candles together, and we'll have this moment of saying, light came into the world. Jesus was the promised light. He came, and he's coming again. We find ourselves as people who are waiting. I love this quote from, uh, oh shoot, who is it? Throw it up on the screen, I'm blanking on who it is. Karl Barth, a theologian. What other time or season can or will the church have other than that? of Advent. So think about this. We call this season Advent, these four weeks leading up to Christmas. But yet we are a people as the church, as followers of Jesus, who are always in a season of Advent. What other time is there for us other than one of waiting? And rather than resisting waiting or finding a way to speed it up or get through it faster, what if we found a way to embrace it and to say, I actually want to be a person who waits really well. And the way to wait well is to wait in hope, 
and in peace and in joy and in love. Jesus promised in this really slow evening with his disciples that he would return. Yeah, it's in John 14, and it's the, it's the Last Supper, and Jesus spends these hours with his disciples eating this long meal. And he says this, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Would I, had not, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. We live in this in-between, between Jesus' arrival and then his ascension and his promise to return and to come again. And so we actually, in the year 2023, in our Advent this year, are waiting for Jesus' return. It's been about 2,000 years. We don't know when he will return. Everybody has a theory or a desire or an idea about that. But that Jesus has promised to return, and so we're waiting for him. There's a, so there's 116 times that God calls us to wait throughout Scripture. Um, there's this one in uh, Psalm chapter 27, uh, verse 14. 27 verse 14 says this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David writes many of the Psalms, and he just says this, wait wait for the Lord. And again, many of us here wait and we go, how can, I, how can I move through this faster? How can I fix this so that I don't have to wait? And he says, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And rather than waiting being something that we seek to fix or to change, what if we were to think about waiting as something very active, not passive, not missed opportunities, but waiting be something that we pursue that we embrace, that we find out how to wait really well. Love always says, be strong and take heart and wait, wait for the Lord. It's, it's actually waiting is not for the weak. In fact, it's actually weak to, to not wait. It's actually a weakness to say, I'm gonna avoid this. But it's strength to say, I'm gonna wait for the, I'm gonna have confidence in what I hope for, an assurance of what I do not see. I'm gonna be a person of faith who waits for God. I'm gonna let God know what I need and what I want but I'm going to wait well for him. There's another uh, uh, passage about waiting in, later in Psalm that just says, says this, and it, it's uh, Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, and it says, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. The psalmist is saying here that, that waiting is not just a mental exercise, but it's something that we do with, with our whole bodies that we actually engage all of our senses in waiting. And to think of the things that we do with all of our senses is waiting on our list even. Have you ever considered that? That everything about yourself, all of your senses can be engaged in waiting. An active process of saying, God, I know you're here. I know you've promised to return, Jesus. And I'm going to wait and wait really well in the here and now. I'm going to use all of who I am and have confidence in you and in the hope that I have in you. Assurance that I don't see you, but I know you're going to return. I'm going to wait really well. I want to, I want to do uh, two things. One, I want to uh, share a story with you uh, of someone that shared with me just a couple days ago, from, somebody from Mosaic, um, that I think is a, a story not only of, of hope and of waiting, but of the Holy Spirit moving. And then I want to share a, an assignment with you. If I, can, if I can give us an assignment as a church, 
Uh, I want to do an assignment actually with each week that we go through of these four, um, but I want to share a first assignment with you uh, for this week. There's a, uh, uh, there's a verse in in Romans that I, uh, skip ahead a few, Robert, but in Romans uh, chapter five, verse five, it says this, and hope does not put us to shame. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is writing in Romans and he's writing to followers of Jesus who are actually asking the question, am I a fool for being a person of faith? If faith is defined by confidence in something hopeful, an assurance of something I do not see, it would, be, it would make the total sense for somebody who does not believe in Jesus, doubts the existence of God, to look at me and just say, you're kind of silly. You're kind of anti-intellectual. You're kind of not aware. And so Paul is writing and addressing those insecurities, those questions that have come up and says, by having hope in Jesus, just know that you won't be embarrassed. Not in the here and now in, in, in small ways, but you won't be embarrassed in the context of eternity. You will not be put to shame. You will not be proved wrong. You'll be proved right. Hope does not put us to shame. But because we have confidence, not just in God, but in the Holy Spirit speaking to us, it says he's poured out his love to us that we actually can identify this is what it's like to experience God. I've heard from the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you about a story um, from a guy named Grant. Uh, he and his wife, Linda, have been a part of Mosaic for about two years. Right when they got married, they made Mosaic their home. Um, Grant was up here a couple weeks ago. He read scripture. I was talking to him early this week, and he says, i got to share a story with you. I asked him for permission to share it today. He's, he wasn't able to be here today. Otherwise, he'd be up here telling his own story. But I got permission to share it. He started by saying, I wanted to to be more attuned to the Holy Spirit. I wanted to, to know how to respond to the Holy Spirit. I feel like that's a new thing for my life. I don't know how to do that. We've been talking through the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit showing up. He said to me, I've, I've had this prayer of asking God, how do I respond to the Holy Spirit? And he went on to say, here's what happened to me a few days ago. And he was driving just right here on Broadway, about six blocks uh, west of us right here, uh, pulling up to the stoplight on Broadway and 33rd. And this was going through his mind. How do I respond to the Holy Spirit? And as he's pulling up to the stoplight, he turns and he looks on his right. And on the curb, sitting, kind of half laying down, uh, was a guy crying. And Grant looked at him and noticed that he was crying and seemed pretty distressed and upset. And um, he had just been thinking about responding to the Holy Spirit and how that works and what that looks like. And the light turned green and he rolled forward went through um, across the street, and uh, then he says, I don't quite know how this happened, but I ended up making a U-turn right in the middle of the street and found myself back at the stoplight looking the other way, looking across diagonal of the street and seeing the guy sitting on the curb crying. He says, I parked, I got out of my car, and I walked over to him, and he was pretty distressed, and he wasn't a Based on how he was dressed, he says, I didn't think he was a homeless person, uh, somebody without a house here in Portland. He, just, he was, just looked like a guy who happened to stop there and was, was really upset and crying. So I, he says, I got close to him, and I, and I asked him if he, if he needed any help. And he said, um, yeah, he goes, I asked him what was going on. He said, I, I just I can't do it anymore. I've made so many mistakes. It's this last one. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just done. And he goes, well, what, what do you mean? And he said... I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to walk down the street 
to the overpass where it goes over 84 and I'm going to, I'm going to jump off and I'm going to end my life. And I'm just sitting here crying out to God, asking if he's real and if I matter. Grant at this point told me, he says, I don't know what to do in these situations. He says, I don't even know how I ended up there. Um, I didn't know what to do. I asked him his name. He said his name was John. He goes, I had no idea what to do. And the only thing I could think of that came to mind, I just said it out loud. He said, I, I don't know that you're that serious because this isn't that high of an overpass. And if you jump, the chances of you living are pretty high. As a pastor, I have no comment on whether that was from the Holy Spirit or not, okay? And Grant would tell you if he was up here right now as well that he just, that's just what came to his mind and that's what he said it. And John looked at him and said something. He didn't quite know what he said, but um, he seemed to calm down a little bit and then didn't know what else to say. And so Grant said, what are you, what are you drinking there? What's in, and he goes, Dr. Pepper. And Grant said, Dr. Pepper is not much of a last drink. Can we walk over here and can I buy you a drink? Again, no comment if that's the Holy Spirit or just, I don't know. But John agreed and said, okay. And so they walked down um, and they went into a bar and sat down and Grant bought him a drink and tried to talk to him. Grant was driving down Broadway because he was going to one of the last nights that Ecliptic Brewing was open and he was going to meet his wife and they were going to meet another couple uh, for drink. And so his phone is blowing up. He's getting texts and called and he's not answering it. He's just focusing on John and talking to John. About a half hour into the conversation, he says, can I call you some help? And John agreed. And Grant said he spent about an hour and a half with him, uh, talking, getting to know him a little bit, trying to understand what was so distressing in his life. And finally, an, uh, an ambulance uh, eventually came, and he walked him out, and he says, do you want me to go with you to the hospital? And John said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Thank you for helping me. And John said, uh, I think you're an answer to my prayer, that I was crying out to God if he was real, if I was supposed to stay alive or if I was supposed to die. Um, and I think you're an answer to my prayer. Grant told me, he said, uh, God answered two prayers at the same time. I was asking how to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. And this guy, John, on the curb was asking for God to save him. And it just so happened that we crossed paths right at that time. And he didn't kill himself and try to take his own life. I don't know the rest of the story. Grant doesn't know the rest of the story. But when Paul writes that hope will not put us to shame... When scripture calls us to be a people that waits over and over and over, to be a people who wait and take heart and have strength and wait on the Lord, that we find ourselves in a period of waiting in between Jesus showing up, being born in a manger, living some 33 years, dying on a cross, buried in a tomb, conquering death and rising again, before his disciples ascending into heaven. Some 2,000 years later, we are still waiting for him to return. But we're a people of hope that he is actually active and working and alive and moving in our space and in our world. And so that we can be a people of hope. A simple definition of hope is this. A joyous expectation of good. And that works for any people at any time. But when we take that definition of hope, a joyous expectation of good, and apply it to what scripture talks about as hope. 
is that it's in a person. We have a joyous expectation that a good person, Jesus, is active and alive and working in our world today and will return and come back and fulfill his promise and make all things right. And so we find ourselves in the in-between. And as we're in the in-between and we learn how to wait well with hope, I have an assignment for us that kind of like Mission Impossible, should you choose to accept it, will help you be a people of hope that waits well in a way that hopefully will slow us down in the here and now. I've called this an analog assignment, and we're going to have four analog assignments, one for each week. And analog is different than digital, and I tried looking up to understand it, and I don't quite understand it. But here's what I know. A human can be analog. A human cannot be digital. The digital development means something that is beyond what I can do mentally and physically as a human being. But as a human being, I can be analog. I can speak. A human voice is an analog signal. And so we want to call ourselves like... Psalm 130, with our whole being, all of our senses to slow down and to be a people who are slower and wait well in the here and now. And so here's an analog assignment. It's a prayer walk. It is a simple thing, but to go on a prayer walk this week, you can decide the length. You can go down your driveway and back. You can go for a a lap around your block. You can walk a couple miles. You can make it part of your steps challenge. You can do whatever you want but that you walk and pray, that you use your body and walk and pray. And if, if walking is a challenge for you, you can't do that, then uh, mentally walk. I don't know. Go on a really, really short walk. Stand. Maybe stand. Maybe do that if you can't walk. But that we walk and use our bodies and we actually pray. There's this uh, quote that I love by, Ad, uh, I think it's Andrew Kuyper. Uh, it's, he says this, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. That all belongs to Jesus. First of all, our own selves, our own souls, and our own bodies belong to Jesus. And by prayer walking, we say, hey, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm going to walk. I'm going to pray. We're going to talk. I don't know what you're going to do, but I anticipate and hope for what you are going to do. As we walk, every step that we take Every block that we walk down, everything that we say, all belongs to God. Christ is sovereign over all, and he says, I want this for me. I want it to be redeemed. I want it to be at peace. I want it to experience joy. I want it to be mine. And so as we walk, wherever we walk, would we ask and invite God, work in this time, work in this space, work with these people, work in this block, work in this city. Here's an acronym that I came across. I think it was from a a 24-7 prayer website. Um, just simple, simple acronym, WALK. Uh, worship. So as you start to walk, just worship, say the name of Jesus, listen to a worship song, recite a verse that is meaningful to you, but just begin to walk and say, God, you are present, you are here. I'm in awe of you. I want to wonder at who you are. A is to begin to ask. As you look around things that you see, begin to ask God to work in that home, in that apartment in that person, in that family, to ask by name and by sight, God, would you come and be present and work? Jesus, would you be present here and be working? Listen, ask, and then listen, just to be silent and to walk and say, God, Holy Spirit, what do you reveal? What do you bring to mind? Is it another person? Is it another family? Is it another need? Is it another crisis? Just to begin to listen. And the last is to know your land, Um, to be able to understand We can look at our city and the history of it um, and appreciate more where to ask for God to work. As we're in certain specific neighborhoods, by name, different neighborhoods have different stories. Each block 
across our entire city has a different story, that different lives have been affected and changed and are present there, is to know our neighbors and know the history of our city and to be under, understand and be able to pray more specifically. So here's the challenge. Here's the analog assignment that will, again, you can speed walk if you want, but hopefully your mind and your heart slowed. But hopefully you take your time and stroll patiently, slowly, in a specific place on a specific day at a specific time, once this next week, to slow down and begin to pray. And by doing so, be and embody a person of hope that waits well and says, Jesus, show up and work here and now in my city, in my block, in my neighborhood. It's an analog assignment that invites us to slow down and for this week to be a people of hope that trust that God will show up and work in some way. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to I'm going to light uh, this first candle. And then we've got another short uh, video that just invites us to consider hope and slowing down in this season. And after the video, uh, the band will continue to lead us and we'll have an opportunity to worship, but to respond by coming to these tables in front of us. And we do this every week as we gather as a church to come back to the story and the person who gives us hope, the person of Jesus. They remember that God entered into our world there in and of itself is, a, is an analog act, that the God of the universe became human. There's no other story of hope. There's no other good news other than the God of the universe that sent his son Jesus into our human existence to live, die, and rise again. So I'm going to light this candle and then take a look at this video, and then the, the band will prompt us, and we'll come and take communion as you're ready.